So we are uh, continuing on in this Advent series, as Jamie was explaining. It's based on those four names of the promised Messiah, as declared by the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says it this way. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, two weeks ago, Pastor Dave kicked off this series, and he talked about how Jesus is our wonderful counselor, right? How he lovingly is available to us to lead us and guide us and direct us through this life. Pastor Mark was here last week, and he talked about how Jesus is our mighty God, and how he is all-powerful, all-powerful God of the universe, and how he works power in our lives to bless us. It's just sometimes we need to step out of the way so he can work. And today, we're going to look at the third name, the name Everlasting Father. But before we dig in, uh, let me just show you this little video and some of our younger friends and what they have to say about this very special name. What does it mean when the Bible calls Jesus the Everlasting Father? Happy and... I don't know. It's okay. It means that... He's alive forever. What do you think when it says the Bible calls God our everlasting Father? It means He will be our Father forever and He will never leave us. What does the word everlasting mean? It means forever and like you live forever. It means like forever, it never runs out. How does God care for us? He gives us Farmers that makes fruit thing and food. Yeah. How does God care for us? By showing his love. And how does he show us love? Mmm, jeez, another hard question. I'm distracted by the Christmas tree. So pretty adorable. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, you know, our young friends, they got it right. They, they knew a lot about our everlasting Father, that he is forever, that he will always love us, always be there for us, always care for us. And for those of you here, those of you watching online, you get that as well. But as Jamie pointed out a moment ago, there is a point that we need to clarify because when, when, when Isaiah declares this coming Messiah, whom we today know to be God the Son, right? The coming Messiah is God the Son, Jesus Christ. When he declares that the coming Messiah is going to be our everlasting Father, we need to be very clear on this. He is not saying that God the Son is the same person as God the Father. Okay, that's a heresy. That's a bad thing. It's called modalism. Okay, we believe that there is one God and there are three very distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, the God the Father is not the same as God the Son. He's not the same as the Holy Spirit. There are three very different persons of, that coexist in this one divine being. And I know it's kind of hard to grasp. Okay, it's, it's, it's hard for us to tackle that, but that's what the Bible teaches, teaches this mystery that we refer to as the Trinity. So what does all that mean? I just, I want you to understand that when Isaiah declares that the coming Messiah, okay, Jesus, is going to be our everlasting father, he's simply identifying that the coming Messiah is going to have father-like character traits. Okay, he's going to be fatherly in his treatment toward us, that he is going to be like a father who loves us and cares for us and is there for us. 
Does that make sense? I, I think it does. And it's good because you can be intimate with the Father, right? And you can talk with the Father. You can have a relationship with the Father. All of that is good news. Here's the problem, though. Um, for a lot of people in our world today, they hear that word father and it brings up nothing but a bunch of bad memories. And I know maybe for some of you here or watching online, you've got bad memories of your father who neglected you or who was never around for you or who verbally or physically abused you. I don't know. I, I'm sorry if that happened. But it's because of all those painful memories of their earthly fathers that so many people today come up with wrong ideas of their heavenly father. For example, one wrong idea that people today have about their heavenly father is that he is unreasonable. Right? He, he's, he's just, he loads you down with a bunch of rules and restrictions that A, aren't fair, and B, just, you know, take the fun right out of life. But that ignores the fact that our God is all knowing, that his wisdom is absolutely flawless, and that he knows what is best. So when, so when God, when God provides you with loving guidelines for your life, you can know that they are always, always going to be the best guidelines for your life. I know even though God may seem, you know, unreasonable at times with these guidelines, really, he's not any more unreasonable than any of you are as a parent when you tell your eight-year-old, no, you cannot have that entire bag of marshmallows for supper. So, no, he is not unreasonable. Second, second wrong idea that people have about their heavenly father is that he is unreliable, that you can't count on him, right? That you can't, that he's going to let you down. And, and maybe, maybe God, uh, maybe somebody hurt you, and, and, and so you blame that person for that hurt, but you also blame God for allowing that to happen. Right? And, and yet that ignores the fact that God has given to you, to me, to everybody, free will. And that's the freedom for you that you can have to choose to do the right thing, the good thing, or you can do the bad thing and the wrong thing. You have that freedom. Everybody does. And God could have programmed you to always do the right thing and the good thing, but that would have taken away your free will, and God did not want to do that. So you, in this world, are going to have people who are going to hurt you. Because of their own free will, they're going to make bad choices. And you are going to hurt people in this world because you are going to make, of your own free will, bad choices. Obviously, God's design, the desire, is for you to always uh, use your free will to do what is right and good. But you have that freedom, don't you? You have the freedom to do what is wrong, what is bad. And here's my point. When you do what is wrong and bad and it blows up on you, Please understand, that's not God's fault. Right? It's not because God has been unreliable and has dropped the ball on for you. It's because you, of your own free will, you, you made that choice. All right, third wrong idea that people have today about their heavenly father is that he is unconcerned. That he couldn't possibly care about you because he's got bigger problems in this world like pandemics, right? Or global warming. So there's no way that God could possibly care about you or your work or the paper that is due by the end of this week or, or your boyfriend or girlfriend situation or your marriage or your kids or whatever. 
But again, that's just not true. God does care. God is concerned about every minute detail in your life. In fact, the Bible says God knows how many hairs are on your head. Actually, he doesn't know just the number of hairs on your head. He knows the original color. Yes, he does. He knows you. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you right now. And he, he knows about it all because he cares about it all. All right? Because he's concerned about it all. All right, one last wrong idea that people have today about their heavenly father is that he is unpleasable. That no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to do enough to make God happy. And this mistaken thought process comes from people who take the flaws and the faults of their parents and they apply them to God. This This must be how God is too, right? If you had an unpleasable parent or a perfectionistic parent or demanding parent, well, then that's how God is. But that's not true. And that is not at all what Isaiah had in mind when he proclaims that the coming Messiah is going to be our everlasting father. So in the time that I have left, what I'd like to do is just share with you just exactly what it does mean. What does it mean for you today, 2021, that Jesus is your everlasting father? It means a couple of things. First, it means that as your everlasting father, Jesus cares. He cares about you more than you'll ever know, more than you could possibly fathom or imagine. Because compassion is his number one character trait. Psalm 103, verse 13. Uh, Jamie read this just a moment ago. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. As your everlasting father, Jesus cares about the problems that you're trying to solve right now. He cares about the worries that you're wrestling with right now. He cares about the stresses that are weighing you down right now. He cares about it all. In fact, in, um, or that's why in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, we are encouraged to do this. Cast all your anxiety on him. Let me just stop there for a second. Let me ask you, how much of your stress and worry are you to give to Jesus? Tell me. All of it. That's right. All of the things that have got you stressed out and worried, your finances, your relationships, the health of a loved one, the direction of your career, uh, the issues that you are dealing with in your social life, give it all to Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. And, and, And so does that mean he cares about your house payments and car payments? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Does it mean that he cares about the fact that your kids are going to need braces someday? Yes. Does it mean that he cares that you're single and dating somebody? Yes, it does. He cares about it all. And I share this with you because whenever you worry, understand, whenever you worry about something, in effect, you're saying to your everlasting father, Jesus, that you don't trust that he cares about you. That you don't trust that he cares enough about your situation. But nothing could be farther from the truth. Jesus does care about you. And if you want proof, just look at a cross, any cross. That's proof that he loves you, that he cares for you. 1 John 4 verse 10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Right? Jesus cared enough for you to come to this earth, to be born in a manger, and then to die on a cross so as to take the punishment that you deserve for all the things you've ever done wrong and the things that of your own free will, those bad choices that you've made, so that you can be forgiven and saved. 
Jesus did that for you. Why? Because as your everlasting father, Jesus cares. Second, as your everlasting father, Jesus is also consistent. He's always dependable. He will never let you down. Earthly fathers, they can let you down. I mean, they don't mean to, but sometimes earthly fathers can be unpredictable. Some earthly fathers, boy, they're different each day, just depending on the mood that they're in. But not Jesus. Look at this. James 1 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father, who, here it is, does not change like shifting shadows. As your everlasting Father, Jesus is consistent. He's not moody. doesn't have bad days. And here's the best part. His consistency and dependability is not based on your consistency or dependability. That's a very good thing. 2 Timothy 2 says, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Wow. So even though the world around you is constantly changing and you don't know what's going to happen next, this thing you can count on. That Jesus will always act the same way towards you, right? He will always act in love towards you. He will always forgive you and restore you. He will always lead you and guide you. He will always do that because as your everlasting father, Jesus is consistent. In fact, God declares this in Malachi 3 verse 6. He says, I the Lord do not change. And this is huge. Because maybe you had uh, a parent that get, made a promise and they broke that promise. And this was a big, this is a big promise. Or maybe you had a promise that you made to one of your kids and you had to break that promise. As your everlasting, as your everlasting father, Jesus keeps every single promise that he has ever made. Okay? And, and that, that's the promise that includes you know, the, the promise to, to love you and forgive you and save you. Those promises do not end. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And at Christmas, that's what we celebrate, isn't it? We celebrate the fact that Jesus was born to die. To die for each and every one of you and all people on this world to free us from sin and from the fear of death. So, yeah, uh, we can count on that promise. We can trust in that promise. Why? Because as our everlasting father, Jesus is, he's consistent. Third, as your everlasting father, Jesus is close. He's not distant. He's not far away someplace. He's, He's nearby. He's always available. As I mentioned earlier, some of you may have had fathers Uh, who were not around. They just weren't. Maybe they were always traveling on business trips or maybe uh, they were home, but they were hanging out with the guys. Whatever, regardless, they were not around for you. But with Jesus as your everlasting father, that'll never be the case. There will never be a time when you will not be in his presence or where he won't be with you. And I say that because Isaiah offers up yet another name of this coming Messiah. We sang about it just a moment ago. But look at this very familiar verse, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him, what's the last name? Emmanuel. And all of you, well, most of you should know that, or you do know, already that that name means God with us. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to dive deeper into that name. But for today, just understand, as your everlasting father, Jesus is close. 
He's your Emmanuel. He's God with you right now. And because he is close, there are three facts that you can always count on. Fact number one, Jesus is never, ever too busy for you. Right? Maybe your mom or dad, there were times when they were too busy for you. Maybe there have been times when you've been too busy for your kids. But there will never be a time when as your everlasting father, Jesus will ever be too busy for you. When you go to him in prayer, he's not going to say, oh, no, 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 not now. Maybe, maybe later. You know, let, me, let me just rest a minute. No, he will never push you away. Psalm 145 says, God is able. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. So no, Jesus will never be too busy for you. Second fact is that Jesus loves to meet your needs. So as your everlasting father, he doesn't just know about those needs. He loves to meet those needs that he knows are going to be the best for you. And they're going to bless you and others through you. In Philippians 4.19, it says, My God will meet all your needs, okay, all of them, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then fact number three, Jesus is sympathetic to your hurts. As your everlasting father, when you come up to Jesus with a wound, he's not going to bark at you and say, oh, come on, just grow up, get over it. It's not that bad. No. When you have a turbulent time or a pain or, or a wound, he, he will be sympathetic. He will understand Psalm 34, look at this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When your heart is broken, when your spirit is crushed, Jesus, he, he gets it, right? He understands because he is close. Fourth, because, uh, fourth, as your everlasting father, Jesus is competent. He is competent. There, there isn't anything, any difficulty, any problem, anything that, that Jesus can't handle. There is nothing that is beyond his ability or power. I, I know some of you have seen me now since my mom passed away in October. I've been bringing my dad uh, to church, and, and it's wonderful. I have no idea how long I have him here on this earth. Uh, but I can clearly remember when I was a little boy thinking my dad he knew everything, he could fix anything, and he could afford everything. <laughs> I actually thought that. And of course, it was wrong. My dad was, is, and still is, an amazing guy. Uh, but like, and I'm a dad too, but you know, as dads, we are limited, right, in our financial resources as well as our wisdom, but not your everlasting father. No, with Jesus, you know, there is nothing he cannot do. Look at this, Luke 1, 37. Nothing is impossible with God. He is unlimited in what he can do. Unlimited. And in fact, Ephesians 3, verse 20 says it this way. God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. There's nothing Jesus cannot do. So as your everlasting father, Jesus comes up to you and he says, all right, Think of the biggest problem. Go ahead, just think of the biggest problem you could ever face. I can solve that. Go ahead, think, of, think about the biggest hurt that you will ever feel. I can heal that. Think of the biggest fear that you might be facing. Just think, think go ahead. I can replace that with my peace, right? There's nothing he can't do. 
There's absolutely nothing he can do that he can't do. So whatever you may be facing in life, put it in the arms of your everlasting father. Put it in your arms of Jesus. Why? Because as your everlasting father, he is competent. Before I close, let me just ask for a quick show of hands. How many of you recall the series that we did not too long ago called 365 and 1? You guys remember that? Okay, good. All right. So for those of you who don't know, in this series, we challenge people to remember that God has given us 365 days every year to look for that one, that's the plus one, to look for that one person whom we know may be spiritually disconnected from Christ. And we challenged you throughout that series, didn't we? To put, we gave you these bookmarks, my guy's Chad, still praying for him, but we wanted you to pray for him, to, to develop a, a relationship with that person so that you could then point them to Jesus, to point them to Jesus who could impact their life and ultimately, most importantly, their eternity. Well, as Jamie pointed out, Christmas is less than two weeks away. And I know I've shared this with you before, but there are two days, Christmas and Easter, when people who are unchurched are the most open to accepting an invitation to go to church. It's Christmas and Easter. May not necessarily say yes, but they are open to that. And, and so... Uh, as Jamie pointed out, there are these invite cards. They have all the four worship services that are going to happen in the sanctuary. The three services are going to happen here on Christmas Eve. I want you to invite. Try it. Pray that God will provide you with an opportunity to invite your one, or maybe it's somebody else that you have in mind. Find out what service time works best for them, and then, and not for you, okay, for them. And, and, and then offer to pick them up or to meet you here. Okay, because there isn't a greater privilege that you could possibly have than to introduce somebody to Jesus. Invite them. Invite them so they could know that Jesus is their everlasting Father. So let me just challenge you between now and this, this next week, next Sunday, let me challenge you in a couple of ways. First, let me challenge you to use each day to thank Jesus for being your everlasting Father. So maybe tomorrow, thank him for being an everlasting father who cares. And then Tuesday, an everlasting father who is consistent, right? Keeps his promises. And then on Wednesday, a father, an everlasting father who's close, closer than the air that you're breathing right now. All right, but use each day to thank Jesus for being your everlasting father. Second, I want to challenge you to connect with God and memorize Isaiah 9, verse 6. We pretty much have the second half of that verse down. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's a first half of that verse that we've not been really focusing on. Look it up. Commit it to your memory. And then the third thing, invite your one. Right? We will be offering these, these connection card, uh, these uh, invite cards. They're available on the tables as you go out. I'm hoping somebody's going to be handing them to you. But pick one or two or three of them up and invite them so that they too can know more about God's gift of love in Jesus for them. All right, let's pray about that. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus Christ, we know that as our everlasting Father, you do love us more than we'll ever be able to grasp. And that we can turn to you for acceptance and approval, for attention and, and the care that we want and that we need. But Lord, as we draw close to yet another celebration of your birth, Christmas, give us the opportunity 
Give us the courage. Open the doors, the, 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 the potential, the desire to invite one of our, to invite that one, that one person whom we've been praying for or somebody else to join us this Christmas Eve so that they can learn more about what an amazing God you really are. So bless us in this, Lord Jesus. We love you and we pray all this in your great and holy name. And all God's people said, amen.